Hey, brother, how's it going, man? Doing well, thank you. That's good, man. That's good. So, well, well, let's get things started, man. Um, first things first, man. How are you doing, man? How's it going? I'm great, man. Can't complain, honestly. Working on a bunch of new music and trying to keep healthy. Um, can't complain. How about you? Ah, same old, same old, man. Just keep keep grinding the whole, you know, podcast game. You know, trying to do this one day at a time. You know, a lot of interviews, man. A lot of interviews, and I cannot be ever more grateful than that, man. Yeah, I was watching a lot of them on. YouTube channel actually a lot of them are like really interesting some of the stories these really there's um, and like uh other people have to say like about um just their stories but yeah man, great, I, great work thank you man I appreciate that I really do man like if you have any other feedback about them um don't ever hesitate to slide in the DMs and let me know you know man I appreciate it so so far you say that you're watching some of my sh uh, episodes what has been the like the one that has been standing out to you the most that you enjoyed it very thoroughly so the few episodes that i watched was um i, I watched one with goon one of my friends max the one with uh destroyer yeah uh, the guy who owns the kaiju pit collective yeah how he was talking about what i found really interesting was how he was talking about creating his sets and like only putting um really underground producers that he believes deserve recognition and mm -hmm. sets and things like that. I really respect them, like his whole way of going about that and um, what he's doing because um, before that, I never heard of him. And then um, when I saw that, it just um, like, damn, I appreciate like what people are actually doing out there for the underground scene. Yeah. And that, and uh, that, and that's just like one scene particularly. I think he's from Texas. I don't, I don't recall. If I, think, I, think, I think he said Dallas in the, in the video. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then, yeah. So and that, and that's the thing that that's like one scene itself, and then he's handling that you know that whole area itself. Imagine what we yeah. could accomplish if we all actually do it on every other state. You know, like if there yeah, was some sort of a Florida collective or something that you know that can unify, and then everybody's just playing only the Florida's music people. You know that that elevates everybody all together. You know, because everybody's playing everybody. You know. Everybody's, you know, getting recognized, you know, recognition right there, you know. So that the whole kaiju pit that he's doing, it, it, like I admire it a lot. And I'm very grateful that he actually has is doing that because like you barely get to see that very often. And and obviously he, that's just the one that he owns. Mm -hmm. He and I part, were both on a on our own collectives from other people from L.A., you know. Like the grocery boys, like those guys only, only, only play music that has that is only being made within their collective. And and if you are homies with him, even though you're outside of the collectives, but you're still homies outside of it, then they'll play it too. They don't play any other music that is not outside of their realm or their circle, basically. I mean, saying stuff like that, it's like kind of a family within the music scene. Yeah. And, um, saying stuff like that, it's really cool. I've been a part few collectives, but um, unfortunately they did not um, really continue on mm. into the actual music collective part, but everyone still talks in there. We're still friends. Like um, there was a small collective made by an ex dubstep producer. His name was uh, Mad Reckless. He made like uh, songs with um, Riot 10 in the past. He's, he's a great producer, man, but he switched genres. 
to which um genre he's producing now mm. but that's still his collective is still around which is called reckless fear and everyone in there we all got to know each other two years two and a half years and we're all homies now but that's more of like a close-knit like uh like group but it's not really like an active collective much anymore really man that sucks man i and and I feel you on that because I've been on a few collectives here, either here in South Florida or in my hometown in Puerto Rico. You know, mm-hmm. we we try we try to you know elevate those type of collectives, but you know I guess it's the consistency. Like not everybody is as consistent as they wanted to be. You know. Yeah, I mean it's hard. You know, like uh, getting that consistency from like a full group of people. It's um it's not an easy thing to to like sustain. So I mean, I mean, I mean yeah. in theory, it makes sense. In theory, like on paper, like it makes sense that if one releases, then you got like a hundred people, you know, following it and liking it, and everybody get to see it, and then you got that organic growth, and people will want to fuck with it. But when you try to uh, apply to it in real life, practically, it's harder than you think, you know. So it's yeah. like, so I get my props to those guys who actually maintain that whole collective and kept it going you know it it just, it just shows them you know how much they really work hard to to get to that you know that name that recognition factor out there and and then at the same time helping others as well to get big as well yeah no it's it's great like um i think i, I think um like especially the collective I was, I was a part of and still am like totally grateful for everything they've done like still a bunch of good friends in there everyone still talks in there mm. hypes each other up on social media and stuff like that but i am sad it couldn't have gotten taken to the next level yeah i mean sometimes these collectives it, it really really needs you need to treat a collective as if you were do a building a label basically yeah because it's yeah. essentially it's almost the same thing except that the label part the w- in which like oh yeah you we have to split shares with your songs you know but everything yeah. else is just relatively the same you know that the 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 thumbnails the promotion marketing you know the the song follow to download and all that crap everything else is just the same you know it's like a fifty person joint label everyone's a everyone's a label manager yeah <laughs> exactly exactly basically and yeah. it. And until you get somebody who actually has experience that that uh, that is willing to you know invest on it for free, because in turns you will be doing this all for favors, you know, you're not getting much of it except for that recognition, you know, which is not, which is it's good to start off. I mean, if you want to start off with something, you know, start off with something, you know, and then you guys work your way up until you actually see some real monetary. M- money involved then you know that's where things get like oh shit we're getting there you're we're getting yeah. there yeah yeah, yeah so, I, I definitely get that yeah yeah like so has any of th- those moments that you were part of the collective have they ever like helped you out or improve your recognition here in south florida so there's there's a long story to that that um i'll probably explain better in another question but the answer is yes to that question okay because um not exactly in the actual recognition wise category but the people i met in that collective mm-hmm. like um i keep up with them and i believe that uh like um having like like just like talking to these people like what i've learned from them and 
just like how we've been keeping up throughout the years. People give feedback to each other in there. And um, I wouldn't go as far as saying recognition, but I would say more as um, just good, good music friends and like uh, good people to really chat with in the, in the music business. And like uh, that show, funny enough, that I met you at. Yeah. One of the guys from the collective that um, I never met in person before. I met there that night and like after like two years of like talking to him. Wow. Control Q. Control Q. Um, I don't know if you know that guy, but yeah, I, I, met, I, I had, met the show and uh, it's pretty cool. That's dope. That Control Cube and he had another friend that their that big homies. Well, um, I'm sorry if I'm bad with names, but yeah, I interviewed him and his homie right there in that day that where we met, you know? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And Control Q is the homie. Yeah. Sure. Damn, well, that's actually pretty dope. So how long do you actually been active in this scene? More or less about three, no, four years now I've okay. been active in the scene. Four years, give or take. I started, um, I guess it is 2018. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, I started off DJing mostly, but um, I had a residency in Tallahassee in a mm. 10 nightclub, if you know where that is, for about a year and a half. And then... um. From there, I kind of just really dove into production and um, the DJing side of things. It's interesting to me. It's fun to me, but I, I really love music production. That's something I um, have really been uh, sticking to throughout that journey. Damn. And Dan, so you, you, are you originally from South Florida or you're from Tallahassee? Well, I am originally from South Florida, but I went to school in Tallahassee. Oh, but, from yeah. FSU? Yeah. For, yeah, four years. So... Oh, okay. I was there. Um, and while I was there is actually when I kind of started things. I kind of got into that scene, DJ at events around the area. Yeah. And um, that's pretty much where things started. What actually prompted you to actually do that thing? You say you were just tired of, you know, DJing and you actually wanted something new and passionate that you're ready for the challenge or, you know, what you say like, okay, I'm doing this and I'm going to pursue this. Like pursuing production, like making music. Yeah, yeah. Like what actually made you thought like, you know, DJ is cool and whatnot, but then I'm st I'm doing production. That's what I want. That's what I'm I feel like I want that. I've always been a musician because um in my past I've been playing the piano for I don't know how many years, uh fourteen, fourteen years or something. Okay. Something like that. So music has always interested me from the beginning. Like when it came to switching from DJing to actually producing music. Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, like, okay, this looks impossible, really, really hard, but I'm going to have to learn at some point if I want to do this. So I just kind of like sat down first on FL Studio. I hated it. <laughs> no, no offense to any FL Studio people. I, it just didn't work on me. I'm uh, Ableton for life, you know? Yeah, there you go. And then I, then I switched over to Ableton shortly after. I'm like, damn, okay, this is... It's really cool. I had a lot of fun with it. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it was just like, it was honestly the, like the having fun aspect. That's what really like prompted me to keep going. I liked, um, okay. hearing like improvements through, uh, like music it was like the biggest thing that kept me like, um, continuing to create like music on Ableton. That's, and that's literally how it happened. And, and dubstep was dubstep always like the the main focus and the base, or you actually had started off with other genres. So I started off with more melodic genres. Kind okay. Of, yeah. So I, I would still say dubstep, but more like uh, 
in Future Bass. That's what I kind of started mm. out with. I really liked melodic music. Um, oh. Some of my like, first remixes and stuff, Future Bass. But then um, the dubstep transition was probably as of only about two years ago, like the actual bass music transition. Okay. But, but who, who made you do that switch? Honestly, just like listening to a bunch of music, going to a lot more festivals mm-hmm. and concerts and stuff like that. I just really like the effect that bass music has on like a crowd scenario, mm. you know, like making or like hearing like extremely crazy drops being like, like having that drop. energy right there. Yeah. I love that. And that's my favorite thing at a music festival, music festival or concert. So, okay. So basically like switching from future bass to dubstep, have you ever thought about like, you know, going both routes and having that, you know, that, dubstep route and having future bass or you just rather stick with just that genre i did i've I've thought about that a lot and the Mm. thing is i've been trying to incorporate like melodic components into my dubstep but um the kind of dubstep i've been trying to create recently is a very like uh heavy like atonal genre like um tear out dubstep or tear out rhythm which usually doesn't mesh too well with melodies except maybe in an introduction or something like that but i am still trying to incorporate those two uh subgenres with each other i mean it's definitely possible to do it it's not hard like i mean if barely alive can actually do something like that in in vr and and other other people like fucking even elenian does that shit oh yeah they do it do it great yeah I mean, it's it's definitely possible. Or you can do what no, what normally dubstep artists actually do, which I'm also trying to do that as well because I actually fuck a lot with the melodic side as well. I really really digging a lot more the the melodic dubstep and the future rhythm and all that shit. Like I really really loved it very much that I that I'm starting my own projects with. In fact, like I'm releasing a. And it might my, my take of melodic dubstep with Mantic and Infinite coming up. So I'm very proud and very happy for that release coming out. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. And that's awesome as well, man. And yeah, that's, that's big. Yeah, it's super big, and it's super big uh, <laughs> for me because, like, obviously, I'm collaborating with two heavy hitters, you know, and they're also homies, you know, and they're sick. They they have awesome music. Oh hell yeah. So and, do you. I've checked yours too. You have awesome music as well. I've checked your SoundCloud. Oh yeah, yeah. What do you? What? Let me ask you this. What do you think about the last song that I've released, which was called Raph? I have to pull it up again. This was last night. I was. Uh, you were checking me beers. out. That's that's what's up. You were checking me out, huh? Yeah, man. I always gotta always gotta check out the music homies. You know. <laughs> <laughs> what I do remember of the music I checked out of yours is. I really liked, oh yeah, I see this wrath right here. Yeah. I don't know if I listened to this one, but there was other music. But I, I like your mix sounds, man. And um, you have like the um, kind of like, if I were to mix two artists, it would be Chime and Excision. That would be your sound in my head. So with Chime and Excision? Yes. Th- those are those are like the two mixed uh, sounds. Or Damn. Like styles I would have in my head to your music. Oh, I thank you. I appreciate that. I, that you, that is literally the first time I've ever heard that from anybody telling me. It's like, oh yeah, I, I, it's like 
you like at Sijin and Chai made a baby and then you came along. <laughs> I don't know. That was the first thing that came into my head. <laughs> wow, that thank you. That's dope. Well, I mean, shit. I thought I thought for the longest time it's like, yeah, my song is average at best or mediocre or it ain't that big a deal. But when when people like you and others tell me like, nah, your shit is actually pretty good, I get hyped about it. I get like, oh, okay. So I did actually did a good job. What the fuck? Fuck you, labels. Man. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. But back to what I was trying to tell you. Um, yeah, I was trying. I'm I'm falling in love a lot more with the whole melodic and future rhythm stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That I've been incorporating stuff like that into my music. You know, bro. Like I've never been so happy that I'm doing that shit. You know, and and I feel like this is something that you know, as an artist, you evolve. Because you normally will never take that chance, you know? But those are the times in which you succeed. When people say, I ain't taking that chance, that's when you succeed. Because they're too afraid to it. And then you'll be like the only one that can actually do that type of stuff, you know? So always like be open about, you know, never be afraid of incorporating that melodic stuff into that tear out shit. Like, like for example, the song I sent over to Dumantic Originally, originally, it was supposed to be a very, very old melodic dubstep with the heavy chords and shit. And then the second build, and then a second buildup pops out with a with a tear out drop. So like people like <laughs> Roy not like Roy Knotts, Wooly, and I know Slander has done this before, and and like Pixel Terror and, chi- and speaking of time, time and Tim and I have done this, have have incorporated, like have something melodic and at the same time build it up to something like hard and heavy and nasty, you know? I love that style. Like, uh, okay, the one the one song that really sticks out to me, I, I believe used this style was, you know, the song Falling by Wooly and Trivecto. It was really- Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Beautiful song. Yeah, yeah that, that song is amazing. Yeah, and that's, um, I, know, I definitely know what you're saying though. They, they can be incorporated with each other, like heavy and, and melodic music. Yeah. yeah. You just have to find the the balance. You know, you just have to find the balance. I'm pretty sure that's what makes it very hard for a lot of people to find it. But once you actually do it, it's like at that point, the sky is the limit. At that point, you can literally do anything with any of your songs. And if your song is just like that, that's just like yeah. that, man. I definitely agree with that. Absolutely. 100%. And and the most of the key things about this, in which a lot of people don't realize that because like people will assume that, oh, you know, it's, it's two different sounds, you know, that have the chords and then have that tear out. It's just two different sound designs. Actually, what many people don't know is that most of the time, it all came from one sound. It's true. I mean, Wally uses saw waves apparently for his sound design and they're using super saws. So, I mean, yeah. Could have evolved from the same sound. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why that's why most of the time you hear some of these songs very cohesive, you know, in which you're like, damn, I never realized that this super high chords drop can go along with this heavy, heavy Terra drop. And Sometimes it's in unison, perfectly. Yeah. And it, it all and all because it all stems from from one sound. I learned this from, from a lot of people from like Crimson Child, Modestep. And Adair, who's now Careless Castle, 
Yeah, like I learned from these guys that they basically, they tell you like, you know, create one sound, you know, whatever sound it is. It don't matter. Just create one sound. Now form a drop out of that one sound and just destroy it. Resample it, post-process it, like do a, a bunch of crazy and gnarly shit. Before you know it, you have that one drop as original as fuck. That basically nobody can even copy that because it was came down for your idea for that crazy wild idea that you actually did while you're doing it, you know. And then you apply that that same sound on every other section of the of the project. And then before you know it, you can you make you know high notes, bills and cow bills and other shit, you know. <laughs> like the sky's the limit at that point, you know. Yeah, no, like it's funny you mentioned that. Because um, that honestly is something that I was recently like brought to the light of, mm. like uh, kind of um, someone someone said this to me: always use your own fills in your music, mm-hmm. like specifically like fills, like you know, like drum fills or like uh, I don't know bass fills in songs. Yeah, he told me always use your own fills because if you use like a fill that you find on Splice and you don't change it at all, and a label apparently hears that. They're going to be like someone yeah. else, another sample pack. But when you do what you were saying, getting like one sound and drop and just resampling and going crazy with everything, no one else has that. And then you can. Exactly. And, uh, and I mean, and that's the whole point of being a bass producer. And especially in this industry, you're supposed to sound unique. You're supposed to sound mm-hmm. diverse. You know, I remember that I, in one of the collectors, I was in a, in one of the video chats, and we were all talking, chilling. One of the one of the guys who I forgot, Iman. Shout out to that guy. He Iman's from LA, and he has sick shit. Like his rhythm, like I'm not a big fan of rhythm at all. Like I could care less about rhythm, but his rhythm to me it was like, whoa, that's fucking fire. And then he was like sending me a project I, that we were listening, and when we listened to the song, the song itself is dope, but. The sound itself, I've heard it before. Like I've heard it from from another artist, and me and another person picked that up right away. We we both were thinking the same thing. We were like, "Yo, it's dope," but I feel like the drop sounds like a sound that came from Bandles or from Twelfth Planet. And he was like, "Oh shit, how do you know?" Like that, I tried to I recreated one of their one of their drops and shit, and that's what I came out. And I was like, "There you go." We knew we knew about it, and 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 it's dope that you recreate it because I'm pretty sure it's it's not easy to recreate a sound from someone else. It can you can figure it out, but it takes time for you to to do it. And I say like, so, dude, the pattern is dope, and that's cool for you to actually actually recreate that sound. However, the fact that I was able to listen to your song, and I immediately immediately picked it up and say, oh, that's something that 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 could be made from Bandles or 12 Planet because that's their song, their sound, their style sound. That tells me that you weren't that original, even though you were original recreating. But if I'm going to hear a song of yours, I want to hear a song that is that doesn't let me like reference anybody. That lets me like say, oh shit, I never heard of this. This is something you will do. This is something that Wolfson will do. This is something that No Lie will do, you know? Something that I can say like, damn, I've never heard something like this. Versus like, oh yeah, I've heard this sound before. Like, this is something that a company will do or something 
virtual riot would do. You know, it's different. It has a different hit, you know, because back again to the labels, why would the label look at you and say, yeah, I I'm down to sign your song when your song sounds like one of their artists that we're like, well, we have him. He can do it. Why do we exactly. need you? Yeah. yeah, that's right. What you said right there. That's that's exactly their thinking. Like, um, they just don't hear like complete originality, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and I've noticed recently in the scene, um, I mean, that's just getting more and more like strict, strict and more of like an expectation mm-hmm. in music to be like completely, completely original. And even even for some labels, it's going down to the drum samples. That's how much of originality they want. They really for that. Yeah, some of the tarot labels, like um, some producers, were telling me on like certain tarot labels that yeah, because if you don't make your own drums and literally drum fills or snares and stuff like that, a label will say no if they recognize it. But that that mm. that could go for some. That that's like the more extreme case. But I believe yeah. like, things I, that are very distinctly like picked out like in the songs that should be the bare minimum of originality yeah i i get i get what you're saying and that's very interesting that you're saying that because i didn't know we've gone down that stricter now you know submitting songs i i come for the notion that you know i i'm done sending demos to labels because most of the time the majority of these labels um they just put on the spam folder that's what they are I haven't figured that part out yet, to be honest, man, because... Uh, oh, I could um, tell you right away. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it just spam folder, like, is that their auto inbox for... Yeah. Yeah, basically, um, this is what a lot of artists, established artists and ARs don't tell you, but I will tell you because A, I've experienced it. B, I experimented on it. C, I've talked to ARs. Before and D, I've talked to people who who used to work with ARs and labels and tell me these stories. So that's how I got my reference and backed and see like how how this whole demo submission really works. Now I do keep I do say it because like last time I did an episode about this about demo submission, like basically saying do not send demos to any to labels because it's just a waste of time. I said that in the nicest way in a, in a 30 to 40 minute, you know, video. But I did mention, I did put a disclaimer at the, at the beginning saying like the majority of labels, not all labels, not all labels, because I can tell which labels do listen to the music. Like, for example, Disciple is one of those people that will listen to your music. Subsidia Excision does listen to his mu- to your music. Funk case, DPMO, um, they listen to your music. Um, Root service, I think that's Bear Grylls, um, listens to your music. Ophelia Records, Seven Lines, they do listen to your music. So it's like, like, like I can name a couple more, you know, like they do legitimately listen to your music and they'll give you feedback if you ask them, you know, they'll say. That's good news. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That, that's good news, right? Yeah. 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 But. Yeah. The rest of the other labels that I talk a lot, you know, the the rest in peace and never say died, who really died. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. The other label, other big, other majority labels are Spinning Records and Monster Cat and and uh, Play Me Records. Like all those labels, they any labels that give you a like an email link. Uh, I mean, an email. 
Yeah, that's basically a spam folder. The reason why they have it is so people will stop sending demos through their general inquiries email. So they're kind of... Yeah. Diversion. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And... I give it to them. That's... That's smart. Yeah, but, no, of yeah. course. And yeah, it, it's smart. it's kind of fucked up, but it's smart yeah. out of them to how to do that, you know? And yeah. and you and you can tell. You can tell because like like if you're like me and I've sent a, uh, an email to certain someone, I always have the email tracker on to make sure that they open it. And most of the time I never seen that open. And when they do open, I'm I go check on my SoundCloud stats and make sure that they play it. And if they didn't play it, then I can tell. If they did play it, but I still don't get an email back, then I already know. Yeah. That's how you can tell them for the most of it. But the one thing I will tell people, you know, when it comes that if you even if you even if you want to release music at that particular certain label, I would say um, first you will want them to look at you, not the other way around. You shouldn't be looking at them. They should be looking at you. That's how you get their attention. That's how you get, you know. Get released out of it. Why? How? But, dude, it's simple. Yeah, it's a business. And they'll, they'll recognize you if you contact them. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah, I exactly. Agree. And remember, guys, like, we're all think that, you know, releasing on a label is all cool and fun. You know, it's like, holy shit, I got released on Subsidy. I got released on Disciple. I got released on uh, Cannibal or Cyclops or whatever. Yeah, it's all cool and fun and games and whatnot, but you have to understand that it's a business. They run a business, so they need to make money out of it, you know? So your song can be dope as fuck, but if if you don't have a social media following or or you're not active in social media, then they're the ones taking the risk. They want some of your followers, some of your audience to look at their label. Basically, jumping one following audience to mine. It's a trade. It's a tr- it's a fair trade in a, in a sense. It shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be like that. It should always be the talent. Talent should always trump anything else. But unfortunately, it's what we're dealing in today's society. You know, it is what we're dealing with right now. And what I tell people, like, for that instance, you know, like they should look at you and you're asking me, oh, but how? How are they going to notice it? Like, well, you know, making some noise on social media is one way. Another way is sent at sending music to the artists that are in that roster. Like if you send a song to one of the artists in that roster and you ask them for a feedback, you come nicely. You come in, you know, welcome me nicely. Be friendly about it. Say, hey, how's it going? I got this song. Would like for you to, you know, give me a little bit of feedback, see where I can improve myself and yada, yada, yada. And if the guy, you know, fucks with it, they'll tell you straight out, yo, I fuck with this song. You know, send me, send me some more. And he'll play it. He'll definitely play. He or she will play it. And believe it or not, when they play those songs, when they play your songs on live, people will start to hit you up. People will start to hit you up and they'll start to look at you. And, and that's how they will start to notice you. And that's how these labels will be like, hey, what's it going, man? Hey, if you got any songs, man, don't don't be afraid to send it over to ours. You know, we would like to have a, a something to do with you. That's how it begins. That's basically the game, man. That's basically the game. Thank you for telling me that, actually, because um, I had some, like, mixed thoughts about that process, actually. Mm. And um, 
No, but thank you for telling me that. I really do appreciate that. No, of course, man. I'm happy that that you were able to know this and we were able to talk about this stuff. stuff. You know, this is exactly the stuff that needs to be discussed, you know, because you don't really hear this from any established artist. Like, have you ever heard this type of conversation with anyone publicly, at least? 100%, no. No. Definitely not. And I'm trying to make it more publicly known, you know, even if it, you know, it, even if it costs me being black, black ball from the industry, which I could give a shit about it. It don't matter. I'm still popping off. It's um, the truth. It's, it's the, the truth. truth. And it's just true. And, it, <laughs> and only the truth. And people <laughs> deserve it. People need to I know agree. these type of stuff because why is it that we know about this behind the scenes, but publicly people don't know about this. So I become that voice and put it out there on the public so everybody has public knowledge about this because if you are starting to think of, of becoming a, a producer and try to capitalize on this man these are some of the things that you should be knowing about i could give you like a bunch of mistakes that i've done when i was starting up a bunch of mistakes that i have a lot of locals homies that i know that they committed and and most of them, they're like nowhere. They're nowhere right now. You know, they, they're they not as big as they should have been. And these are talented as fuck people. Man. I mean, let me tell you, I grew up the same era that, you know, I started out the 2015, 2016, 2017 era. Yeah, because that's where, you know, Trap was getting big. Trap was, you know, huge in that era. Big Trap era, the festival Trap era. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's when I was starting to come up. I mean, my first show was, you know, Jello Club. I opened for him. And then afterwards, it was just Life in Color, Sunset, Dreamland, and then Bear Grylls, OK, and, and then Borgor, you know? That was, damn, it was well right. But I'm sorry. Yeah, dude. That, was, that was one of the best times of EDM as well. I think uh, that was one of the. Um, yeah. That's that's when there was like the hype was really building around the like yeah. the Ghana, you know. So like really like everything just started blowing up completely like out of nowhere. That was like the time in which bass music was at its peak here in Miami, at least oh, in yeah. the South Florida, because we all know. Miami is all known about house music, so you barely get to hear any bass at all. And then I remember that time when Club Space and Heart Nightclub was around. Well, Space is still around. Heart is no longer, but it was still bringing. When did Heart, huh? When did Heart um, like go out of business? Or when did it like disappear? Uh, Heart probably disappeared by the time I left the scene. I left the scene like around 2017. Oh wow, it's been gone for a minute. Yeah, I don't I I really don't remember any more of those um shows afterwards, you know, because afterwards I was just focusing on my music, mm-hmm. you know, try to try to build up my image, try to build up my my career out of it, you know, but it wasn't easy. Shit, it wasn't not easy. Especially when I used to work in the Clevelander hotel, 12-hour shits every weekend. Yeah, no, that was, like I, I didn't have any life, you know. Yeah, like these are some of the stories that I tell on my podcast and I like to keep it a buck with people so they can learn something from me. At least, you know, try not to do the same mistakes that I did. You know, for example, I will tell somebody um, if you're going to start off by being a producer, um, just focus on your music. 
do not start at being a promoter and get your name out there and focus on just that. Like, no, just focus on your music. Focus on your music 100% because eventually the promoters will look for you, will find you, and they will book you. That's how that's how normally how it's supposed to work. Like I've seen some of my homies going on that route and and it and it has worked for them, you know? So that's like a big advice that I'll tell people is like, don't be a promoter, just focus on music. Because I can tell you I spend over 300 hours of my lifetime. I'm just promoting shows that I wasn't going to be a part of. Imagine using those 300 show, 300 hours that I could use on just making music. That is a lot of time. That is a lot of time. Indeed. Yeah, it, it just makes the it just makes the hell of a difference, you know. No, it does. I I completely agree with that, man. Like, um, the music is the product. Yeah, we are trying to become a business. Got to master the product. And going back to Really thinking about that, um, I think for most people, including myself, kind of struggle mm-hmm. with um, the music making side of things. It just everyone's competing to um, make like the next more original sound mm. or like the new trend. Yeah. Or the new like, oh, I've never heard that before. Yeah. That's so unique. Whatever you would call that. And um there's kind of a pressure when releasing music in that sense, or kind of like uh, showing people your music and kind of being proud of it because um, everyone has a different definition of good music. Mm-hmm. It's subjective completely. Like right. um, I can hear something, you can hear something and we can have two totally different opinions on it. Mm-hmm. But with a good enough mix down, I believe with enough time, you can eventually come out with your unique sound. Right. As of anyone. Yeah, that's how I look at it. That's actually a very good way to look at that things, man. And that's and that's good, man, because that means that you're you're literally trying to think outside the box. And not many people get, not many people go with that flow. You know, people are very stuck about you know trying to sound the same as as this certain artist. You know, all because I can do it. I can I can sound like this. See and look how how heavy I can do it. See, I can do a better job than him. That's not gonna get you anywhere. Other than you know, people will say like, "Holy fuck!" You know, you can never compare yourself to others. That's a that's a losing game right there. Yeah, basically, that's something that you know. I learned that you know the 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 hard way. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that with that notion. And once I let go of that, once I said like I really don't give a fuck of who am I comparing myself to or who am I who am I doing my the music? Because before it was more about, oh, let me do the music for the people, mm-hmm. hoping that I get that validation from the people. And the people, I mean the fans, the audience, um, the artists, the labels, you know, I'm get I was getting like so much stress and uh, unnecessary stress and unnecessary pressure that I want to have that validation and trying to go with that route with, you know, sounding original and not sounding the same as ever. That caused, you know, that caused out uh, early burnout with, with my production. Got to the point, like I say, like, I need to stop making music because I wasn't make it wasn't making me happy anymore. Yeah, that's. It was a job at that point. That's literally like, so I've, I've had times as well, right? Mm-hmm. Where I'm just sitting in front of my dog, 
just like creating some like i'm just like thinking to myself i'm not having a lot of fun right now mm-hmm. why am i not having fun i usually have so much fun and it was literally because <laughs> i have like a reference track inside of my dog and i'm like trying to like match someone else's sound or something i'm trying to like do what someone else did what, what someone else had fun with but then i took a step back or whenever that happens i try to take a step back and i'm like i'm gonna literally put anything in here that i personally think is cool mm-hmm. it's gonna make me have fun in this moment with the dog and that's really how i get over like that and writer's block and everything like that mm-hmm. just um i try to make it more entertaining And I was actually going to ask you later on about that. Like, do you actually believe in writer's block? Oh, yeah, it's huge. And yes. what do you and what do you do when when you're actually like filling down the dumps? You know, how do you get over it? Some people say taking a step back mm-hmm. is the way to go about it. Taking a step back could be a good way to go about it. Instead of taking a step back, what I usually do is I'll um, instead of like continuing to produce, what I'll do is kind of listen to my old tracks, bring them inside the DAW and kind of like see what I did with them or listen to other artists' tracks inside the DAW and kind of like take them apart to like get inspiration. Right. But like in those moments, I generally don't take a break because um sometimes it's still there when I come back. <laughs> ah. I don't like try to like get over the mountain. That's actually a very good way to to do it, man. Um, I ask this to everybody mm-hmm. because everybody has a... Everybody has a different method. In fact, like a lot of a lot of people say that they don't believe in writer's block. They they believe that some of these people are they feel like it's like laziness at that point. Very interesting take out of it because I can see why there's that laziness component when you get that block, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's not like you're really being lazy and you just don't want to write about it. It's just like nothing comes out of, out of your head that says like, I want to do this, you know? I hear, yeah, I hear all, all stories. So I'm very interested. I'm hearing yours as well. I think there's, there's probably not, I guarantee you, there's not probably one artist in the world that has 365 days a year of perfect days, no matter what. No. Everyone has their off days, every single person. If they tell you they don't have off days, they're probably not telling the truth. No one's perfect. I believe those off days are writer's block, even if people don't identify. If they're a producer, obviously. <laughs> and those off days, I believe that's a sense of writer's block. You know what? And some of those who say who don't believe it, they say that their way of you know not feeling of writing something, they just write something else different, you know? Like, oh, yeah. say, like, you know, I like I'm a dubstep producer. I don't feel like making dubstep today. So, like, what can I do? It's like, oh, let me just do a future bass or let me do a house song or let me do a dream bass or something that's different than the dubstep. And they experiment it. They get motivated. They get all hyped about it. And then they before, you know, they just finish a song that's like dope. And once they have that, you know, a drill and then popped in, that's where they come back again and write a new session. Now that honestly sounds like a great method even though um i personally never done that mm. because uh when i get writer's block i usually just get really blank faced mm. <laughs> yeah like uh because um i tend to really focus and fixate on like certain things in music which kind of like holds you back a little bit in a sense and um when that happens it's like hard for me to get off my mind off that uh right one thing i was thinking about while creating a track but um 
hey, that could be a great remedy. It sounds like a great remedy. Hey man, like you're not the only one who go, who goes down for this road as well. Like there are times in which I I open a session, I listen to it like five times and does absolutely nothing. That's like <laughs> so like why did I open this session? It's like ah, let's just switch it up, you know. Um, but another great method I also have found organizing, organizing your folders, organizing your samples. You know, going by by scales, going by, you know, BPMs, you know, and organizing your presets or organizing your, your, your project sessions. That, that's, that's actually another method of, of, you know, getting rid of your wider spot because it's funny how the human brain works, man, because you see how you get your, you know how they say that your best ideas comes from the shower. There's, there's a, there's a, there's a theory behind it. And the reason why is because every day your brain is always recording. Think about your brain as a hard drive. You know, it's always recording information every day. You're learning something new, right? And you're also trying to write something new. We're hardwired to that. But then when you do stuff that is very repetitive, your brain shuts down. Like it goes to hibernation in, in, a, in a way. Like it stops recording and it stops writing because you, you, you train your mind and you train your body to do this every day on a daily basis automatically. Like perfect example. At first, at first you, you, when you drive first, you didn't learn how to drive just because you knew it. It's not the fucking matrix that you just like, poop. okay, now I know how to fly a helicopter. No, it's it's not that. Like you had to practice, and the more you practice, the more confident you became. The more you learn, the more you were able to do it. That it became automatically that every time you go to a car, you know what to do. Second nature at that point. Exactly, and a perfect another example is it's second nature to you when you brush your teeth every day. You don't think about it. You just do it. You just know that every morning when you wake up. After you have breakfast or or before whatever whatever your routine, you have to brush your teeth. You just know that every morning you have to brush your teeth. Second nature, you have to do that. Same goes, same go, yeah. Same goes to showering. You know, every day you have to at least take a shower once or twice. But that's already automatically that you do that automatically without even thinking twice. Like, hey, yeah, I need to take a shower. That's when your brain literally shuts off. And stops writing and it starts um, reading. And when you when you get that hibernation on, that's where your brain all of a sudden starts to have room to breathe and makes you think about other certain things. Instead of instead of focusing on, on one thing every day, because you're already doing it, the brain will automatically will shut off. It's like, all right, he he has it on his own. I don't need to think about it. That's when your brain really thinks about more stuff, and that's where your creative ideas comes into fruition because because that's when you're when you're in the shower you're like oh my god i know how to do this oh my god i know how to i need to go back to the session i need i now i know how to fix this i know how to start this oh i just figure out a new melody i just hum it right now in the shower fuck let me just write it down right away and boom do you believe uh like white noise has anything to do with that like you know like the the noise of a shower it's like a very like calming noise to some people, like white noise. Mm, I think that's something to do with um like creative thoughts. Interesting. 
Never thought about that. And the reason I will say that it's because my ears has been trained to all certain frequencies. As an audio engineer, you have to train your ears from your lowest frequencies all the way to your high frequencies. So I really never notice it. And to me, when I hear certain frequencies, it's just, if for me, it's more of a automatically, I know what it is and where to pick it up and how to kill it. I, it's not me thinking like, oh yeah, every time you hear the white noise, something will trigger me. <laughs> but, I, but I can see where you're going with it. I can see where you're going with it because that, I will say I've heard stories about certain sounds triggers people. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, certain sounds get triggered memories, uh, unfortunately, and some like some bad memories for some people. Like, right. Especially like veterans, like PTSD. Yeah. Get triggered by sound. But also there's good things like relaxing sounds that people yeah. can listen to that puts them in a relaxive or relaxing state yeah. or creative state. Like for me, like when I listen to like white noise, it's kind of or pink noise, you know, pink noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, when I listen to that, as weird as it sounds, it kind of like gives me like a blank slate. <laughs> it's kind of like relaxing. <laughs> Why not? You know, if it makes you like much more relaxed and then it gives you more ideas later down the road, then hey, go for it. Like everybody has their own methods of how how to to do these certain things, you know? Like nobody can nobody can follow the same blueprint as somebody that's already made it. It's almost impossible. It's almost impossible to do it. Like I tell this to everyone, like the perfect example, like Jay-Z can literally give me his exact blueprints of how he made it to where he is right now. Like he can actually tell me like where he started, how he did it and all the stuff that he had to do all the way to where he is or now. I can actually have the plans, the key to the men to go. All right. Like I got it. And I might not end up like Jay-Z. Or maybe not even close. Just like, you're, you're right. Like, even if you have like a full instruction panel, like so many things could just end up different. Like mm-hmm. the time frame and like so many things. It's like, you're right about that. Completely right. I agree. I mean, and, the, and I mean, and, and then it's okay that you can use some of these blueprints as a reference, mm-hmm. as a learning co- curve, you know, like, yeah, you can, you can definitely do that and learn from that. And you can pick some of those stuff up and, you know, apply to it. You cannot follow it to the T and expect you're going to have the same results as uh, as Jay-Z, you know? You're right. Everyone has their own path. And every single path for every single person is going to be different. Yeah. It will never be the same. And if you follow someone else's shoes, you'll, you'll never get where you want to be. Talking about paths, you know, what is right now Nolai's path right now? My current path is to have music releases mm-hmm. every single month, whether it's single solo releases or whether um, with another artist, for example, um, May 5th, I have a new track coming out with Max Goon. You had him on the show. Absolutely. Shout out um, to Goon, man. Yes, sir. He's the homie. Yeah, we're releasing a track May 5th, and that's going to be a um, a self-release for us. Mm-hmm. You are your um, social media and platforms, not a label release. But um, yeah, it's going to be for, for NOLA, it'll be releases each month. Going to do like, uh, I will be searching for labels, sending them out first and searching for labels. But if labels don't take them up, then they will be solo releases. 
I like it that you actually have a plan right now and you say like, let me just stick to it. And then, you know, later down the road, we can actually go for the bigger things. You know, I will say keep doing, keep at it at the whole solo artist right now. I keep releasing music like at least once a month or just be consistent. Just yeah. be consistent because consistency is the key. Absolutely. You know, just be consistent about your projects and your releases and your presence, you know, because it'll get you much farther than you that you can anticipate, man. That is that is the plan. It's, consistency is key in this industry, 100%. Yeah. Just being present on social media and in person shows and everything so people see your face kind of can put a name to your face. I think it's very important. How is your social media so far? Like, how is your presence in there? So I actually used to have like much more of a social media presence about a year and a half, two years ago. Mm. When, uh, when COVID happened, I kind of took a step back mm. with no lie because I, I believed that my music needed much to improve before I really started pushing myself yeah. out there. And it wasn't honestly until this year where I really restarting it and um starting to try to really do branding again, um, marketing, uh, and every month releases mm-hmm. on my pages. So I would say as of 2022, this year has been a fresh start for No Lie and the whole branding and release concept. And what has been like your favorite project up till now that you have done before? Like... Um, like release or music, yeah, music project. Like any song um, that you've done so far that you say, like, holy shit, this was by far my favorite one that I've done. Pulling up uh, SoundCloud right here, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably say one of my newer projects that I've been working on. Okay, it's actually my song called Network that I released on a friend's label, Project Underground Bass, and um, that has probably been my favorite track today, just because um. It was an original track, mm-hmm. had the absolute most fun making it and sound designing the whole thing. And um, yeah, it was honestly just like a huge blast to me making this track. That's cool. Never hated one moment of it. That's pretty cool, man. And what is normally your creative process when it comes to these sessions that you actually go to? When it comes to creating a new track, I will always start with the low end. Mm. You know, why is that generic as that sounds? Um, I believe just in bass music, uh, the low end of a song is just like carrying aspect when it comes to like this live speaker system mm. and that not all bass music. It's not like the, but I would say in like rhythm, like heavy rhythm and tear up. Right. It's a huge focus because when you go like rhythm, for example, you have that sub that's like moving well, really like well, clean well, with the bass. Yeah. And, like, it's like a rhythmic driver almost. Mm. So yeah, I'll, I'll start with that. People might start elsewhere, but I'll start with that. I try to make like a cool groove with the hats and drums and bass. So they're all like syncopating with each other and being like really good with each other. And then, um, yeah, from there, I'll just start with the sound design, but I'll always start with a drop. Drop is um, mm-hmm. yeah, something I always start with. I've been told that I should start focusing more on my introductions, which I agree. <laughs> but then shows are I mean, there's nothing wrong by starting by the drop, you know? I mean, I, I'll i tell you, I started all my projects from the drop. It's like whatever I can make from the drop, 
like everything else just made sense. I I just yeah. literally go. Exactly. And then everything, every I tell you, right from the drop, everything will write itself. I agree. That's um, yeah, that's how that's how I've been doing it. I try. I've tried. I mean, everybody has their own way of doing certain things. You know how they're they they start their sessions, and I did try the, you know, let me start from the beginning. Let me start from you know from the intro and the the breakdowns and whatnot. I tried it and. I don't know why, for some reason, the drops just don't end the same way that I was expecting it to be. You know, like I didn't. I'm... I think it's the excitement factor. Mm. Like when you when you're creating a song, like usually I, I believe that bass, all bass producers, their favorite part of music is just like the drop. Yeah. Like we're we're all hyped about like making the drop. Yeah. And when you don't start with that, you're like you get a little like bored. <laughs> like in a sense, you're just like. Working on a slow intro that builds up to a job because right. I don't know if you noticed, but like some of these like uh, rhythm producers and um, like newer rhythm producers and stuff, they'll have like really minimal introductions, like really minimal, but just yeah. like not a lot there. And then the drop is just crazy, like absolutely insane. But, um, you can tell like what they had. Yeah, I, I noticed that a lot more in the recent, you know, songs released for a lot of, a lot of bass artists you know that they that it's like i remember back then it was just like like at least a good 30 to a minute long of intro breakdown and build that and then you're the drop is like right there now it's just like a 15 seconds of intro yeah. and and then you're already at the build that and then also the drop is like bam right there in your face <laughs> like one hi-hat some boys saying what's yeah. up and then the drop <laughs> <laughs> And just builds it out. Doom, 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 doom. Hey, yo, what's up? That's literally it. Yeah, bro. Like, there's no more creativity. I don't know. Like, I like, I like a lot more when the songs gives me instead of like, I get the aspect of you know, you know, straight to it, no bullshit. I fuck with it and it's easy for me to DJ about it because it's like, all right, I already know where to start. I could just like, there you go. But I think I enjoy a lot more on songs that has like a lot of creativity or more of a storytelling. I fuck a lot more with songs that has a little bit of storytelling. Like it tells me like, you know, there's the intro, there's the break, build up, drop, break, build up, drop, yeah, outro. Yeah, build up. Something that builds up to like the, the peak of the excitement. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like a lot that does that. Tam and I does that a lot. You know, um, Edition is well known about that shit. Wait, hold on. Now they're right, he's, he's hella cinematic with his songs on. Oh my God. I'm having a brain fog right now. Almost that every song, every almost every song of his is like a minute long of introduction to hype it up. And then all of a sudden, that's where you get the job. Like, the paradox, um, the one he, the one he did with oh, Willie Lugged Dog, Rumble. Huh? Rumble, 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 yeah, that song, like it has like like a huge fin, and then it, right, and then yeah. it finally gets to the to the to the build and then the drop, and then the drop hits. It's just like holy fuck, what the hell is this? That introduction is crazy. Like yeah, that that stood out to me for a very long time. But he's he's a, he's a king at that. 
I mean, phase four, Excision does have, you know, help from Dion Timmer and Wooly and other people, you know, that made his sons. Like, you, like people will be like, what? Excision has a ghost producer? What? It's like, well, let's, let's not look at it like that. Like, he, like, he definitely does his music because he has his signature sound, and that's his sound. And you can tell right away. But he definitely gets help from from producers that he puts out. Here's the thing. There's some artists that, that uses ghost pr producers and they don't shout them out. For, and then you got Excision literally puts them on blast and puts them on their lineups and puts them on his tour. Like he gives them the recognition that they deserve because the majority uh, of his songs is like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Excision has some part of it. I'm pretty sure he did, but I'm pretty sure Whoever finished it was the was the other producers because let's let's think about it for one second. Incision is a businessman right now. He has its own label, he has its own, you know, production company that does you know the whole paradox tour and whatnot. He has its own um, festivals and he DJs and tours. Like, dude, the guy does a lot of things. You think he will have <laughs> enough time? To do something. Oh, and on top of it, he has a wife that he has, that the wife goes along with him, but he has to have some time with her. Do you honestly believe he will have the time of the world to make to sit down for a few hours and make a song all by himself? He does not. He's he, everywhere. He's everywhere. Exactly. So I, I, I respect what he does, man. Like he's a busy man. Like yeah, I, I, and I, I, and, I, I, and I respect what he does. And I forgot, and I forgot to mention you. He also does his own visuals. Like he actually created, I remember that this oh, conversation. He designed them. Yeah, he does. He knows how to design them. I, he, I'm pretty sure he has like a team of people that helps him around. But he, he's literally the editor, the the main guy who designs that all this and has other people to help it. And he has the final say to how it's gonna be. And this is how it's gonna be played out throughout the rest of the tour. Those visuals are so crazy, man! Oh my god! <laughs> like it's sick. He's talented on many levels. That's. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, I mean, again, he does everything. He does not have time to come ahead and sit down and make a song all by himself. No, he will ask all the producers that he has helped a lot that put them on blast and put them in the lineup. So it's like, hey, help me out. Finish this song. You know, we can do it as a collab or you can have producer credits and royalties out of it. You know, whatever. And obviously everybody's going to say, yeah. Because it's fucking Excision. The guy who put you on the map. Why wouldn't you say no? I don't know too many people who would say no to that. Yeah, no. I, I, like, Excision hits me up and say, let me, can I, can you do a song for me? I'm like, fuck yeah. I got you. Put me on Lost Lands. <laughs> that's all I got to say. Just put me on Lost Lands. That's it. <laughs> that's my, that's my, that's my reward right there. He's a beast though. That guy is a beast. Yeah, bro. Um, that is an inspiration to be able to do that many things in the music scene. Like achieve so much, yeah, and honestly, a short period of time. I agree. I mean, well, I wouldn't say a short period of time because this he's guy been, he's been here for a while. He's yeah, been here for a while. Yeah, but, um, he's been on the I dark think, dubstep days. That's how I'll tell you how long he's been. You know, I think latest like five years, right? Oof. five or six years. Nah, he's been in the game for like I tell you, it's like no, no. I mean, I mean, like progression wise, I know, I know he's been in the game like for a ton of time, but like oh, progression. Like past five or six years, like I think so much changed for him. I feel, yeah, I'll say past 2015, 
20, past 2014, he's been blowing the fuck up. Yeah. Past 2014. Because yeah. I remember yeah. that I've, I know I've heard of him before because he definitely came to Puerto Rico and performed at EDC with NDC and 12 Planet. But I know he got wildly famous because of the Shambhala mitts that he always puts out. If you remember those mitts, is that he puts it out and and then everybody is like they got they got their titties in a bunch because the, the mitts is like literally the fucking hardest shit ever, you know? Yeah, and you got the I think the the vault releases. Yeah, the vault releases. That was huge. That was definitely huge. Paradox tour was definitely another one. Yeah. And then and then right now with the whole subsidia and Lost Lands, you know, Base Canyon and shit. Hey, Lost Lands is a game changer. That was that was a game changer for not only him, but like a lot of people. He he brought a lot of people up with that. Yeah, he actually did. He literally, literally became the the artist that started his own festival to have base artists in his festival. Like he didn't have to go for the proper channels <laughs> like like there's like other corporation companies like Ultra and EDC and whatnot. Like, no, he became the first artist to actually do that. So people don't have to have those dumbass claws that like, I don't know if you heard about this, but when you go, when you get booked to on any of these, you know, festivals, big time festivals like Ultra, EDC, um, Tomorrowland and Sunset and Obby and any anything that's insomnia related every, in Ultra, like, They'll have claws that you're not like you're supposed to have like a like a 90 day or 120 day period of not being booked anywhere near oh, this before and after. Performance clauses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some some shit like that. It's some stupid thing that that the insomnia has that and it's not insomnia. It's like every other person, you know, they have Sorry. that to, you know, to block to block. um. To have the exclusive, exclusive, the exclusiveness of artists. That sucks, and it's kind of weird, but I guess it does build hype around like seeing that artist at a festival. I I can see what I do, but it's also like, uh, like a little, little greedy. It is. <laughs> no, no, it is. It is definitely <laughs> greedy because imagine, imagine that your whole life you you wanted to perform at Ultra. But you got booked at EDC and EDC is telling you you can't perform at Ultra. If you're signed with us, you're signed with us. Like you can't perform at Ultra. You're like, what the fuck? That would, that would be very unfortunate. Yeah. That would be depressing, honestly. But I guess, I guess business is business. Business is business. And it's unfortunate, you know. But and, and, it, and it's like, fuck, okay, do I perform once at Ultra and fuck EDC or fuck Ultra and perform multiple times with Insomnia because Insomnia doesn't have just EDC. It has Beyond Wonderland, all the Wonderlands, basically. Because no matter what, if you give up one opportunity, you burn the bridge with the other. It's so, something like that, yeah. yeah. No, if, you, if you deny them, I'm, I'm sure that's like that's going to burn a bridge, you know? Like that, you're saying, oh, to a festival so. That's why that's why you see a lot of bass artists don't do ultra at all. Because of the claws, you think? No, because of the claws. That and obviously because ultra is always well known to be as house favoritism, like house trance and techno favoritism. You know, that they, they really could give a fuck about bass music at all. So do do those clauses usually have ninety days before or ninety days before and after? Probably ninety days before, right? 
I've heard both stories. And I know we talked about it. Um, if you look at the previous, if you look at the episode 100 with um, with Chris from Underground Wolves, shout out to those guys, you know, they're the G's. If you look at the episode, we definitely talked about that briefly. I don't remember check which part, but check that out. We Because Whoa. that was something that they told me. They told me about it and I've heard stories about it. I just never thought that it was actually or it was uh, actually true. It's definitely real. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh fuck, bro. That's that kind of that, that puts a damper on some artists. And the reason why I know about it is because they say that some of the artists that wanted to wanted to perform for that show that you and me met, that show there were there were gonna be bigger artists than the ones that they that they got. And they were fucked. They were like down to fuck to do it. They were ready to go. And then until they say like, dude, we can't because of the clause. Yeah, they got clause for ultra. They got clause for ADC. Oh, for ADC, not ultra. Be yeah, no, because these guys are performing at Forbidden Kingdom. Oh. And Forbidden Kingdom is like, you know. Oh, it's an insomniac event now. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, you know, before it was just owned by Apex, by Lucho and Pepe, you know, and Pepe was the main guy. But I don't know what happened that they sold it to Insomniac and made it much bigger. Yeah, like they say that, you know, some of the artists that they they couldn't name them, but they said that they were down to perform at during Miami Music Week. They couldn't do it because of Forbidden Kingdom, because they're they're going to be performing in Forbidden Kingdom, which is like, damn, bro, that's sucks. So they have and I feel and I think it's before and after because they say they couldn't perform before for the. Forbidden Kid and they couldn't perform after. So it's that you know makes me wonder though. Huh? What you know it makes me wonder one thing. You know the the artist Leotrix? Leotrix, yeah. So he was at Ultra. He performed at Ultra and he's gonna be performing at Forbidden Kingdom. So I wanna know how he got around that. Mm. Yeah, because he was at he's gonna be at both. Probably and this is me. This is me, my my opinion. Probably he did not sign to perform at all all of Insomniac events. Like he did not sign yeah. exclusively to Insomniac. I'm pretty sure it's because that's why. Like pretty sure because like if he wanted to perform in other festivals, let's just say that Tomorrowland hits them up. It's like, oh no, I can't because Insomniac. So I'm pretty sure that's why he managed to get around that. It's like a one-shot deal. Yeah. Yeah. Like I wanna I wanna perform an ultra or or you know, maybe Ultra doesn't have those claws as Insomnia does. Maybe Ultra does have it, but it's not as tedious as Insomnia. I'm pretty sure like Ultra has like, oh, you cannot perform before anywhere near, but afterwards, like you're okay. Like a month or something, mm -hmm. or less than a month, or nothing, you know? Maybe that's why. Because I can tell you this. I remember that Squirrelitz performed at Ultra, and then a few months later, he performed at Sunset Music Festival during Memorial Weekend. Oh, yeah. They probably, any festival can probably get him to like sign to an exclusivity agreement because, I mean, he'll be, he'll be taken anywhere. Yeah. Like he doesn't, he doesn't need to sign an agreement like that because, I mean, he's in demand like anywhere. It's like, what is he willing to play? Yeah, exactly. And which yeah. one he he wants to play? Which one yeah. he want to play? You know? Yeah, I I've I know I know that for a fact, and I know for a fact that Sunset Music Festival's lineup, full lineup, gets released 
after Ultra Weekend, either after the weekend or a week after the after Ultra, because the Armin Van Buren plays at Sunset, and some of the other artists from Ultra that were performed plays at Sunset, but they cannot announce it. They cannot announce it until Ultra is over. Once Ultra is over, okay, now we can announce it because I'm pretty sure there's that there's that certain clause right there. We're still in the clause section right there, and I'm pretty sure that's how some of these people gets around it as well. That would make sense because, like, if they're at both, I mean, one person could be like, oh, okay, this artist is going to Sunset. Sunset tickets are cheaper. I'm just going to go to see him in Sunset. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. That M, that M, because, you know, that another way, Ultra comes first and, and then Sunset, and you're getting closer to Ultra. Why are you promoting this other festival instead of paying attention? On, on us right now. Like, we want everybody to come to us first. Mm -hmm. Then you can do whatever you want afterwards. But we want people to notice us first. So it's, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't know that some of that are not that tedious, but I know that Insomniac is that motherfucking tedious when it, when it comes to those damn claws, you know? And, and circling back, it's just exactly why Edition did his own thing because of those certain claws. He's like, fuck claws. Just play. Have fun. That's all you got to do and get paid while at it. Be on the lineup and boom. So he's definitely breaking the mold, like breaking the industry overall, like, you know, changing the narrative, how it's supposed to be, you know? Yeah, that's great, honestly. Like full festival for one genre or one subgenre. That is, um, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, especially bass music. Like, it's awesome. Like, very inspiring to see, you know. I agree. I agree. And I hope and I hope that lots of people get inspired by that and do stuff like that to change the narrative of it, you know. That would be dream come true. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I'm trying to do the same thing. I'm trying to change the narrative of this scene, you know? Yeah. I hella respect what you're doing, man. Like um giving all these people a voice in the industry like um thanks for having me on especially like thank you so much appreciate it. like you having of me course. on here. like um it was great like speaking to you now and at the show yeah um, that we met at like um always awesome talking in general thank you man i and i thank you very much for coming over to the show man i really do and i I am very sincere with that with everybody that comes over to the show like you know like maybe anytime like maybe for you or for anybody, it's not a big deal. But for me, it really is. It don't matter how big or small you really are. Like the fact that you're sitting down and having a conversation with me about these certain topics, you know, is like it's already fulfilling for me enough. You know, and the fact that you're learning something from me and I'm learning something from you, it's its own reward. You know, so it's, it's a great deal for me, man. I mean, big deal, like great deal, like just speaking to you and having you like just uh, have the time and like to ask me these questions and really makes me feel really good about all this. And I just want you to know, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm glad to hear that, man. I'm really, um, I got a few more questions, man, but before we get to those few questions, man, is there a, like a particular question that you got for me in particular that you always wanted to ask, whether it's about me or the industry or stuff that I know about stories, gossip. I know a lot of dirty gossips. And ugly truths. So, I mean, but, you know, 
floor is yours. Like, is there something that you always like eager to know about? Yeah. Um, what's like, like out of the people you've interviewed so far, mm-hmm. what's one of like, um, what's one of the similarities or like patterns you've seen with most producers? Mm. It's like something that you hear all of us say as of like their story. That's actually a very good question. Something that we, we producers have lots in common all literally started the same way where we started it. We all yeah. struggle. Like a lot of people are not musicians. I'm not a musician either. But we all literally started the way that we did. We just picked up the laptop and got inspired and then start making stuff, you know? That's definitely a, a similarity I have, a, have I come across with, with some of these artists, you know, that we all actually have a, you know what? A, not, this is a, per, a, a better one. We all have, even though our comments are different, our struggles are the same. A lot of people go through the same uh, learning curves, um, struggles, and uh, just everyone gets over them differently. Yeah. Everyone, everyone crosses the same mountain, but has a different path. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, absolutely. Absolutely. That was a good one. Um, <laughs> and I'll give you a third one and the final one. Everybody has their own demons that they fight. We're we're literally not alone about that. We all have that same, you know, common similarity that we have our own battles. We have our own demons that we fight every day. You know, we all have, we we all have, has been, had been, or still been struggling with our mental health. Absolutely. I agree. We all have that very much in common. I agree, man. Especially uh, like after like COVID, that yeah. whole year, year and a half. Like, um, yeah, I was rough year on a lot of people, man. Like, uh, like work wise, uh, mm-hmm. gave us a lot of time, but like being so like consolidated, and, like in like a solitary environment, not around yeah. too many people, isolated. Yeah, just like. Uh, it was a weird time, you know, mm-hmm. like very like quiet, weird time, and um, definitely put a toll on a lot of people. But uh, glad things are starting to change now, and, like everything's yeah, changed. I agree. But, yeah, I agree. I'm I'm really am glad that things are definitely moving forward to what it should be, and everything is like opening back and going back to quote unquote normalcy. Still, COVID is still around, but it's now it's. N- less threatening yeah absolutely yeah so yeah something that we did all struggle together as a as producers is like our mental health itself you know and the fact that i can relate the fact that i can relate to every single one of these um guests that i have on my show is it's what's fascinating it's like this is how close we really are this is how connected we really are yeah it's um it's honestly shocking but it's true. Like we, we are all like, we all have a similar mindset mm-hmm. when it comes to this. And, um, I believe all producers have a similar mindset. It's like, what's the creative mindset, you know, yeah. it's creative people. And then you have like more analytical people. Mm-hmm. I think creative people are more like, mm, you would take emotional in a sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to, anyway, it comes to mental health. Yeah. Creative people are more vulnerable. Or that being 
at risk, you know? I don't um, I don't know why. I don't know why. And sometimes I may have the answer, but then there are times in which like, oh, I was wrong about it. But I guess it's what you call that vulnerable. Sorry, I'm, my English is not my first language, dude. Vulnerability? Gotcha. Yeah, okay. As creatives, you know, that, you know, as creative people, we sometimes have to like lower our defenses down so we could be a little bit more free and have that creative expression. And then there, that it's when where we have our defenses, our guard down, it's when a lot of the, you know, hoo-hahs happens, you know? It's also like, I don't know, like a lot of producers, a shit ton of time in front of like a computer screen, right? Yeah. Like some people like literally stay in their room and just produce for like, just like such a long time. And then like kind of one thing that we forget to do, like producers that just spend so much time like isolated, they kind of like forget how to like socialize <laughs> in a sense, which yeah, is uh, yeah. kind of sucks. But um, after like personally, like through COVID, I kind of, I mean, I still, I still like produce a shit ton of time, but like, in COVID, I really like produced like a shit ton of time. And then I kind of noticed like in some like situations, I'd be like, why well, kind of like speak as I used to be able to speak, you know? Like yeah. I lost some of my social skill because of that. <laughs> and it's uh it's interesting. Yeah, I definitely get you out that. That has happened to me more than once, you know, then which is like, fuck, I don't know how to socialize. Like, <laughs> like I kid you not, I have to then- take a drink. For me to be like socially active, it's like, hey, what's going on, everyone? What's up? This is all good. If they not, if not, I'll be like the, the the shy guy on the corner. I guess that's why they call it a social skill. Yeah, so it's a skill you got to keep up with, practice and producing. It kind of like or sitting in front of a computer producing. It kind of like fades away a little bit there. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Um, but speaking about that about producing on your music of spending hours and hours, how long does it actually take you to finish one of your projects? As of recently, like one week. But, um... Mm, God used damn! Me, it used to take me a lot longer, man. Like, um, the only reason why it takes a much shorter period of time right now is because I literally have been having the issue where, um, well, I always struggle with this. Like, you know when you sit on a track for mm. so long? the main idea just like slowly starts to change and just slowly starts to like just change into a completely new track. Oh yeah. And personally for me, because like I used to go back and like just listen to like the renders so much like private SoundCloud, like just yeah. listen to the car and shit everywhere like that. I was slowly starting to get that sound so in tune in my head that I'd go back in the track and actually screw up the mix down. Mm. to like where I was at a better point. So like my goal is to get the idea out of my head fast as possible and finish the track as fast as like before you possible. have second thoughts. Yeah, and if I want to create like a new idea, I'd rather go into a new project. Mm. Rather than like I'm not, I'm not saying like I like half ass the song, but I try not to like over overdo it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh ear fatigue, you know, you get easily yeah. like Fatigue yeah. about listening the same song over and over, and then in, there are times in which like you don't hear the same way you you initially thought that you were hearing it, you know. And then, then there's times in which you found new 
new problems. It's like, oh shit, I gotta fix this. Oh, I didn't realize that. How can I didn't realize that? How long that shit was there? <laughs> yeah, it's that's a real thing, man. I've uh, I've ruined so many tracks because of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's exactly why we look up to our homies and get and tell them, give us feedback. So that way, you know, we don't have to like listen to it over and over and, and you know, go nuts about it. I agree. It's important to have uh, homies that share feedback with each other in that sense. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Producer so homies, fair. producer homies, not your regular yeah, homies. Because yeah. the regular homies will say it's good no matter what. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. And you'll be like, dude, you didn't listen to that, you know, weird frequency that I show on the kick of, on this minute. Oh, I didn't know there was a frequency. It's not though. <laughs> yeah, you need that. You need that analytical, um, constructive criticism. Yes. You need that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, when when you were working with with Goon, like mm -hmm. how how was the creative process process behind it? Like, how do you work with collaborations? So, for this project, we worked like through Zoom and kind of ban um, bounced the project mm -hmm. back and forth to each other through email. And um, usually, uh, well, with this project, Shoplifters, we started out with like one sound, mm -hmm. you know. And we kind of just build the project, like whole thing, like out of that, like, uh, like kind of what we were speaking about before. Yeah. We had like this percussive sound, um, used a bunch of like frequency shifter, some other effects on it and kind of like mm -hmm. create like a tarot rhythm track just out of that and then built everything around it. Usually like with collaborations, the most effect I've personally seen to like get the creative side of both ends is just bouncing the project back and forth, like same render. So that person could pick up where you left off and vice versa. And then speaking of that, like, are you always eager and willing to try other genres, especially with, uh, with other artists? Yeah. I mean, um, absolutely. But it depends on how far you would say, like, as I would go with other genres, like, for example, the only genre I really could not see myself doing in the short term at least, or subgenre within EDM is um, house music. I was never really a big fan of because, um, I mean, some of it's really cool, but it just really never clicked with me as a genre that I really found too entertaining. And I can't really produce things that I don't find be entertaining. But um, I would say most other genres in, in EDM. I'll give it a try. I'm with you on house. Like I found house <laughs> very monotonous, man. It's all repetitive yeah. and there's like no, there's no excitement. Yeah. Like, I really like that. Like crazy, like change happening. Yeah. I don't know yeah. how people go like, go nuts by hearing the same drop over and over. Like everybody's <laughs> like, Got to club spades on a Saturday. Oh, seriously! And then you hear everybody go, "Oh!" And I'm like, "The fucking kind of streams you are, motherfucker! Where's the what the fuck is this, bro? It's the same drop I heard for the past hour." You might be able to get the same song, put it in a, a set, and nobody would notice it. <laughs> nobody would notice it. I guarantee you, nobody noticed it. The same fucking song. Everybody would still be, oh, dude, that's dirty. 
<laughs> and then I, I see the fucking DJs, bro. I see the fucking DJs go. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of that. And, yeah. You're a lot not twisting, you know? <laughs> not twisting. That's all you're doing. There's no excitement with this shit. How the fucking people are getting so hyped out about it? The house people yeah. are going to come after me, man. They're going to come after me. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're, they're going to get us. <laughs> yeah, save yourself. Save yourself, man. I I don't I got this. I got this. <laughs> Bass music is for kids. Yeah, well, house sounds the same to me. That's never going to change. Can't change our minds. Can't change our minds about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> like anybody will associate anything with house. No, bro, that's tech house. Uh, tech house and techno sound the same to me. I'm sorry. You're changing the <laughs> BPM basically. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, I think someone roasted me about that actually because I was like, there's like a tech house song, and I was like, is this techno? And then they like said, no, it's tech house. And then just like roasted me about that. I'm like, okay, what what differentiates it? And I'm like, and he's like, just listen to it. <laughs> then, then he really gave me a solid reason. <laughs> That's so stupid. That's like, the, <laughs> oh my God. Same way as like they, yeah, you know what? If they ask me like, oh, dubs that sound the same, it's like, no, there's a difference. Like, what's the difference? Well, one of them is rhythm. One of them is melodic dubstep. One of them is tear out dubstep. One of them is metal step. One of them is that this. <coughs> and I can tell you the difference. Most of them is BPM related or different in shape. But rhythm does this. Melodic dubstep does this. Tear out does this. Metal set does this. I, I actually want to, I'm trying to think what. Okay, so tech house and like going back to tech house and techno, what would be the difference there? What do you think it is? I will say it has to be the BPM, or or, or, or maybe not, because I'm pretty sure the BPM is all relatively the same. It's like around the 120. Once you get to 125, is that's already deep house. Once you get to 128, that's electro progressive house. Once you is get to techno? one, once you is get to tech- 130 and 135, that's trance. So it's mm-hmm. like I I I honestly don't know what's the difference of tech house and and techno. Does techno I, use like you know those like um those hi hats between each kick kick and clap? T- 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 yeah, t- that t- t- does techno use that? Maybe that's the difference. Maybe yeah. Maybe that's like house and tech. Maybe maybe that's maybe, maybe techno doesn't use that. That could be the difference right there. And tech house does use it because every other house song that I've heard. Has the like we found it. <laughs> I think we got it. There you go. There you go. There you go, techno people. We we found the we found the difference. Thank you for not helping us. All right. Thank you. We figure you guys out. <laughs> you guys are literally not that big of a difference. <laughs> but speaking now to about making house music and you know how uncreative these guys really are the concept of sound designing do you believe that sound designing is a luxury or a necessity for a producer that's a i think it's a necessity honestly because i mean like without sound design like what else is like because sound is sound design can be like such like a broad spectrum of things right you know? right like you, you could sound design like hats yeah that's like so i think it's an absolute necessity because you can't just take the initial serum preset put into like a dubstep drop, put on like a MIDI, just all E chord notes and be like, okay, hey, this is my drop. You need to design that sound into mm-hmm. something cool or yeah. operator, whatever 
best yeah. here to set the years. Like, I think it's an absolute necessity. I agree, man. I agree. Maybe for the house people, it's not that big of a deal because for them, it's just presets and and having the nice melodies and whatnot. But for bass producers, however, oh yeah, we gotta get creative. You have to be creative, absolutely. We gotta. Like it, it should it be like your number one priority when you when you try to learn. I wouldn't say no, but it should be like your top three. I think also a big thing, bass music, a really, really, really good producer told me this. He it was basically like he kind of like brought something to my attention that mm. I kind of always believed in, but he kind of reinsured it that mixdowns, believe it or not. I think are some of the most important things when it comes to dubstep because like when you're making melodic music, there are like other appealing points to it. You know what I mean? Like you have the melody of a lot of cool, like attention grabbers, but with dubstep, like unless you mix that down, like really, really good and make it sound like really impressive. Like what other appealing point will there be with it? You know? Yeah. It's like, it's like abstract stuff. Like the more like perfect or like cool the mix down is, then the more appealing you can really make it. I really think that's one thing that's like the most important dubstep as well, because you really have a lot of wiggle room with mix down and other genres. I agree. And I always say this. I always say this. Bass producer can make house music, but a house producer cannot make bass music. Yeah, because um dubstep is or bass music is it's probably the hardest genre to mix out of yeah. any genre like in the world. Yeah. Like, to be with you. Exactly. You're fitting so much into one thing or one song and trying to make so many harmonics and frequencies work with each other simultaneously. And there's really not another genre. Maybe hard style. That sounds like a hard genre to mix down as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. And metal. Okay. Those, okay. Those three. Bass music, hard style, metal. I think those three are the top three, like hardest to mix down out of any other. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got a few more questions and we can wrap this up, man. This one's actually very important. Why is it that you decided to choose your name, No Lie? This is actually like something that most people don't pick up, but it's actually so basic. Um, So... I've always been a huge fan of lions, you know, thought those animals are really cool. Mm-hmm. And um, no lie, lion. Oh, shit. I just figured that out right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. You literally flipped the name. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. my God. So simple, but it's like a very, like, not obvious thing to pick up unless like. Unless you call it out. Yeah. yeah. Man, if you have a brand with that name of Nolai, you should actually have like a Lions, you know, brand. That's uh, that's crazy to say that. My um, my old logo it has. I'm gonna take a screenshot of it real quick because I can't. Yeah. Pull it up. But this was my old logo. I'm currently working on a new logo with something mm-hmm. similar to this. But um, let me know if you can see this screenshot. I'm gonna put it in the Zoom chat. That's like half of it, but um, has like a digital lion-like thing. Oh wow, that's rad! But um, working on like a more more like uh modern version of that because that's that's really old. 
Yeah, the whole thing with no lions. Lion rearranged. Damn, that's actually smart, man. That's actually smart. <laughs> Thank you. Definitely, you can definitely, you know, capitalize that, you know? Um, what has been up to now your greatest accomplishment? In anything in general? Or? Yeah, anything in general. That's a deep question. I would say my greatest accomplishment is, I'm going to simply say this because it means a lot to me. Um, staying in close contact with my brother and being able to create a business with him. Mm. That's honestly my greatest accomplishment in my life because I believe being extremely close to family and um, keeping that connection very close and being able to do accomplish something with your family is personally my dream. Like uh, I love my family and being that close to my brother, see that as my biggest accomplishment. That's pretty dope, man. I'm happy to hear that. So what are you currently doing and what do you hope to accomplish by it? I'm sorry? But what do you hope to, what are you currently doing and what do you hope to accomplish by it? With what I just talked about or with no lie? With no lie. So as I was talking about before, I've essentially restarted the brand with a more professional outlook, mm -hmm. hopefully. And so the plan as of now releases every month and what I hope to accomplish is getting on more show lineups this year, expanding my music to more regions, the world, the United States, and getting my music played out by other artists and just growing as a music producer. And um, I really want to be on a festival lineup. And that's, um, that would be, be a goal as of hopefully this year, but if not Fuck this year, yeah. as soon as possible. Fuck yeah. Let's make it happen, man. Let's make it happen. One last question and we can end this right here. Let's just say that you're walking down the street and then all of a sudden a UFO pops out of nowhere and some alien shows up to you and says, hey, no light. We need your help because you and only you can help us right now with our situation. You're like, all right, let's let's get it on. You're like, all right, but before you do, we don't know how long you're going to be out. Here's our piece of paper. Write free pieces of advice that you'll give to someone. What are those free pieces of advice? First piece of advice. Um, is this, so are these three pieces of advice for music or just life in general? It could be both. It could be okay. like one or the other or both. First piece of advice. Absolutely always follow what you love in life. But make sure you're giving it your all. Second piece of advice. Um, I'll make it music related. Follow the product and passion mm. over the validation. Number three, keep your family and friends close. Very important. Absolutely. And I, I can vouch for that because, you know, if it wasn't for my family and friends, I wouldn't be where I am right now. You know, moving from from a small island my whole life and then moving to Miami to pursue my career, it wasn't easy. And it wasn't for the help of my family and friends to always be there and support me no matter what. I wouldn't be where I am right now. So, and, so it's definitely grateful. And always spend time with your family and friends as much as possible because you never know when it's the last time, you know? You never know. It's very true. Yeah. Well, dude. 
thank you so much for coming over to the show, man. It's an honor and privilege for you to come over, man. You're a friend of the show, man. You are more than welcome to come over whenever you feel like it. And we can do another one and just kick it. Before we leave, plug yourself out. Let the people know where they can follow you and what they can expect from you. All right. Um, well, all my social media and everything is at no underscore live underscore music. And on my SoundCloud at no underscore live releases each month will be coming to my platforms. And on May 5th, I have a release with Goon Music, Shoplifters. Um, that'll be coming out pretty soon. And yeah, I just um, expect a ton of new music. And thanks for having me on, Matt. Seriously, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. Well, thank you for coming over to the show. And thank you guys for listening. And remember, every week is a brand new episode where a brand new topic. So always remember to like and subscribe and click that bell for the notification at youtube.com slash the lone wolf podcast or lonewolfpod.com. That's lone W-O-L-V pod.com where you can check all my latest episodes. For the audio version, you can check it out at SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio at Wolfson Music or the Lone Wolf Podcast. Comment down below. Let me hear your thoughts. Share your experiences. If you guys got a specific topic that you want me or no like to cover it, please let us know in the comments down below and we'll do our best to cover it on the next episode. So thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Yeah.